0: Hello, and welcome to the Basketball Addicts Podcast. The one podcast in the world that answers the only question in the world that truly matters is, how can you hate from outside the finals? You can't even get in. How can you hate from outside the finals? You can't even get in. And there's a lot of teams right now, you know, as we approach the trade deadline, that is looking to not be hating from outside the finals this year. And That's where we're (laughs) going today. Trade deadline, baby. Let's go. So, one thing that truly just jumped out at me, right, and it's like, it's almost... Perfect right now because of the season mm-hmm. that we're in in the NBA, and that's Kyrie is requesting a trade as they are trying to finalize the contract for him yet again. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, what happened to KD's my best friend? I want to mm-hmm. play with this guy. What happened to all that, Kyrie? Can you explain it to us a little bit more? I mean, you don't have to really explain, you know, your position how you may feel, but let me give you my take on it, right? So I truly believe, right that it's not that he doesn't want to play with KD anymore. He doesn't want to play for that organization anymore. I think he has true gripes with that organization because right now, as Brooklyn Nets are currently constructed, they are the number two team in the East, in my opinion. They have one of the highest chances of winning a championship yes. if they can get through the Bucs, get through the Celtics. Like, literally, yes. like they're, like, they're, that, they're that caliber of team. So why break that yes. up? Right. He exactly. has problems with the organization, <clears throat> with the owner. Why, you saying? I'm going to tell you exactly why. A laundry list of duties to do before he had to come before he could sure. even step back on a basketball court. They handled his whole you know debacle with with the communities. They handled that completely terribly. They they put him on front the street, left him out there to dry and sure. punished him for it. True. Sure. I get it. A lot of people don't agree with what he said. I'm not going to get into that. I hate politics. But that's mm-hmm. a basketball player at the end of the day. He wants to play basketball. It, you know what I mean? Like, it's. we have seen other organizations handle their turmoil etern- internally. This is, Last year had been a year of putting, if washing everybody's dirty laundry in front of the world to, for the world to see. That That's a problem that Kyrie, I believe, he has that problem with the organization. So he no longer trusts that organization to put him first. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he wants to leave. I don't think that it has any problem. It has nothing to do with the fact that Katie is hurt and he wants to win. I think it's he has a problem with Josai and the Brooklyn Nets organization.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I-, I do think that it's hurting his value, though. I feel like he's hurt. It's getting hurt a little bit contractually. I'm pretty certain that I, I read that they're putting some things in his contract like Kind of like, oh, you miss X, Y, Z games. I'm guessing, I'm just subject, I'm just guessing. Because they said, oh, they're like putting some things in his contract that he's just not agreeing with. I'm guessing it's something along the lines of you got to play a certain amount of games. Or you get this kind of deduction from your salary. And he's probably not liking that. Right? Yeah. these guys are billionaire business owners, right? So they think about things a little bit differently, and they're like, okay, well, most people that leave work for that long don't have a job. So that's like the way they view it. You know, this mm-hmm. NBA, these guys have so much more power dynamics than their regular jobs. So I feel like it's leading to Kyrie Irving's value being lower, right? Because he's just untrustable to, you know, be right? Like, I'd love for him just to be on the floor. Like, Sure, there's been some controversial guys over the NBA years. I mean, Dennis Rodman, NBA Finals, goes to Las Vegas, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Dennis Rodman is the go-to here. Um, But I feel like it's going to have to take a strong organization and, you know, a plus... You know, or a strong player that's like a dominant guy in the locker room. Ahem, ahem, love a goat. <laughs> okay. That's <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> like the only guy. Katie's not that kind of guy in the locker room. Like, he's like, hey, bro, how you doing? Let's go. Like, he seems like yeah, a uh, communal, hey, hype I- you up, a good teammate, right? But I don't yeah. think he's a strict leader, and I feel like... <laughs> LeBron kind of, you know, can handle Kyrie a little bit
0: better. Yeah. He you know, definitely you know, yeah. reined him in in Cleveland, <clears throat> for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel like Kyrie really respects LeBron now. I feel like he's learned that he probably shouldn't have done that, right? He's come out and said that he was, you know, he was thinking about things a little differently about basketball. And I think Kyrie is, you know, we have to also remember about this trade deadline stuff is one. I've heard the Dallas Mavericks getting talked about this. No way in hell the Dallas Mavericks trade for Kyrie. You want to know why? Because they don't have the assets. Oh, yay. Christian Wood. Woo. <laughs> Kyrie <laughs> Irving. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you. Russell Westbrook right now is a better player than Christian Wood. Christian Wood's got all the spacing. They need somebody to score like that. If Russell Westbrook was a point guard on his own team right now, he'd be averaging 22 and 10 and 8. Okay, like Russell Westbrook can still go get it, right? So mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's at it right now. That's They can't compete like, oh yeah, Christian Wood and what, Tim fucking Hardaway? You're not setting Luca. Like that team sucks other than Luca, but it's like completely yeah. built with role players that fit Luca well, right? Yeah. So. There's not a chance in hell that the Dallas Mavericks make this trade because they don't have the assets. Right? Surprisingly, the Lakers have the assets and you know Kyrie has this these teams by the balls because hey, you want to trade for me? Like let's say the Denver Nuggets were like, I want to trade for Kyrie. Irving. XYZ, mm-hmm. I'll send you Michael Porter Jr. Bowen Tylen Picks and XYZ. There's no guarantees. Because everybody knows that he wants to go to L.A. in free agency, so you would only get him for like six months, right? And that's the issue. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah. the issue. And um, <clears throat> and I don't think – and I think also a lot of teams – and because of that, like his whole persona and like things like that has lessened his value. So the Lakers kind of have the Brooklyn Nets by the balls a little bit mm-hmm. um, too. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, Dallas, huh? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. You know. Right. The Lakers, they got once in a century opportunity here with Kyrie, you know. And I would take him and pay him whatever the fuck he wants. Okay, <laughs> I pay you. I, okay, yeah, you you wanna have no stipulations in your contracts for missed games and stuff like that. And okay, cool, right? Because we need him, right? The Lakers suck. Yeah. Okay, so um, look out,
0: Kyrie and
1: AD fit so beautifully together. Um, I would say.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say like the controversy thing is like Uh semi like not his fault, but yet it is kind of his fault because like Mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff was like, oh, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't want to be told that I have to take this shot. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And then he was out of, he was out for a long period of time. You know what I mean? And then he was eventually able to come back after they lifted the ban. You know, I mean, lifted the um the mandate in New York. And then it was, mm. you know, his comments and things like that, which I believe were taken out of proportion. But that's neither here nor there. Um, and then the organization once again put him out on front street and mm-hmm. took him from the, and, you know, kicked him out the, kicked him out the, uh, or, I mean, kicked him off the team for a little bit And so he completed a laundry list of duties. So, yeah. I feel like for them to put stipulations on his contract like that, that could be another reason that driving him away. If there are stipulations, which I, I do agree with you, there might be because yeah. they, they're the ones who strictly was like punished him. Mm-hmm. For the, for these mm. for these particular things, you yeah. know what I mean. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't like okay, I don't want to play basketball. You know what I mean. He's like he's like all I want to do is play basketball, but you guys keep taking me off the court.
1: Yeah, you know this. The Brooklyn Nets have been a weak organization this whole time with Katie, and Kyrie, and James Harden. Right? They yeah. they've been what they've always been, which is a bad organization that didn't know how to handle these stars. Right. Mm-hmm. A first time head coach. With three stars, right? You kind of needed a guy that was a veteran head coach. That even a guy like Mark Jackson, right? Just a mm-hmm. guy that was respected by these guys. You know what I mean? So I just they didn't need a guy that was great at X and They needed a guy that was great at being a human being and being a leader. They needed a leader. And uh, even Mike Brown yeah. would have been good for them. Yeah. Just like, you know, somebody that was good at that type of thing and um you're totally right and um it's just it, it was a bad organization, they blew it, right? They still can they could still win, but like dear goodness, Katie's probably going to leave after this year too, so it's like of course. Do your best to win this year, but it's just like, hey, you guys lost James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin fucking Durant. I don't know how you did that. It's okay see all <laughs> over again. Yeah. And uh you're right. It's crazy, Chris. It's crazy. Yeah. Already? Yep. Already, you ready to, to go into these trade ideas? Yeah, love to hear them. All right, guys. Well, NBA trade deadline's on the 9th of this month of February. And uh, so we're recording this on the 4th of February. So we're going to give you guys some trade ideas that are blockbuster, I mean... The amount of NBA champions that get made from these trades, uh, yeah, can't count them all, okay? These are <laughs> huge NBA trades. And, yeah. um, you know, none of that, uh, you, uh, oh, oh my gosh, Yaka Pirtle's going to get traded somewhere. That's going to be the highlight of our trade deadline. Jordan Clarkson, woo, I can't wait to hear about Jordan Clarkson getting traded. No, 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 NBA champions do not get made through short o'clock shit so gets made through these trades and all of them mm-hmm. work out salary wise all the math has been done so no worries all right you guys ready to kick it yeah and uh kick chris out of the sneezing land everybody say yeah. a praise yeah. because <laughs> <laughs> thank you already all right the first trade is we're trading the guy that we just talked about, Kyrie Irving. Yes, sir. He's leaving with Joe Harris to the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, because if you add Joe Harris into this trade, they have Rice O'Neal that they really like at at like their six six shooter position. Mm-hmm. So he's like kind of the secondary guy already. He's getting paid eighteen million. So if you put him in this trade, the Lakers can add more than just Russ. So, I'm yeah. trading Russell Westbrook, Rui Hachimura, which would be a really solid backup to KD. Man. And uh, Austin Reeves, which is a guy that's like the 12th or 11th guy on your bench. Like, oh, XY was he got hurt. He could at least hit a three-point shot, right? It's bench depth. Two first. Yes, we're trading the future two first. We're trading for Kyrie fucking Irving here, okay? <laughs> Let him go. Okay, I don't care about my 27-29 picks. I'm having Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, okay? Yeah. Have chances the win reeks here. It's worth trading this away. And um, I'm getting Kyrie and Joe Harris. So, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, they're going to make another trade here because... Russell Westbrook is the star of this trade, but dear goodness, Russell Westbrook's non-shooting-ass, ball-handling-ass with <laughs> Ben Simmons, uh, yeah, that doesn't work, people, okay, they're not gonna work, so you gotta move Ben, and, um, you know, we'll talk about the Nets, what they look like after they move Ben Simmons, because I feel like they gotta move Ben now, so... The Ben Simmons trade is Ben Simmons getting traded. Steph Curry is getting traded. Cam Thomas is getting traded. For what? Those are, That's a lot of assets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're moving that for the Wizards, who should realize that they should get moved past the Bradley Beal era because he's no longer the 30-point scorer. He's like a 22-point scorer, and you just can't build around that to win, be in a playoff team. So Bradley Beal and Daniel Gafford are going to the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, yeah. So now the Brooklyn Nets are going to have Russ, Patty Mills, Beal, you know, Austin Reeves, Adam Sunder, they got Royce O'Neal, Markeith Morris, you'd want to be, KD, Rui Hachimura, TJ Warren, Nick Claxton, and Daniel Gafford, right? They really need that backup center because Darren Sharp is a guy that drafted from North Carolina, isn't ready to be the backup center for an NBA playoff team yet. He's just young, Mm. right? He was drafted like 28th pick. He was a raw guy. He was also oversized, so he had to lose weight, which he's lost weight. Um, And, uh, you know, I feel like this makes the Nets still an NBA championship contender. And I feel like the Lakers, uh, uh-huh, thank you, Kyrie, AD, Legault. Cat Bev, Lonnie Walker, still got Trey Murphy, got Joe Harris who could play the three and shoot, right? Like, it fits. It makes a lot of sense for that team. And they get the shooting that yeah. they need, and the Lakers are, <laughs> hello. And the Wizards get to blow things up because Ben Simmons and Kristaps Porzingis, I can't think of other than Joel Embiid and Jokic who are obvious choices here, maybe Cat. I can't think of another center who's more of a perfect fit with Ben Simmons. Uh, yeah, we get the spacing of Kristaps um, uh, Porzingis, and we get the shot blocking, and we get... Kristaps Porzingis has really gotten better for the Wizards of the Series. This is the best version of KP we've ever seen. And mm-hmm. uh, perfect fit with Ben Simmons. I mean, dear goodness, I couldn't script that better. So um, those two will fit like peanut butter and jelly. And I'm excited for them. And they get Cam Thomas who is a guard that's got some potential. He's a two-guard. Shot great for himself, right? So they got a guy, and they drafted Johnny Davis, who people are talking about might be the greatest bust of all time because he's getting zero minutes for the Washington Wizards. Uh, but they have two guys at the two-guard position that can grow and develop and take on Beal's role eventually. So I feel like this is a win-win for both teams.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> all right, so what do you think about those trades, Chris? Those are blockbuster for sure. Definitely Hollywood trades. Um, I agree with those. I feel like, you know, if you're going to get, if you're going to get Kyrie, you have to go all in and then, you you know, mm. and then you also get better because the, what, one thing that the Lakers are missing is like, you know, another star. Um, you know, I think Russ is, Russ was a good fit for a little bit, but I think he's more six man ish now than he is like a starter. Um, but having Kyrie on there and then getting that, you know, that wing depth. So you have like another sh- somebody who, you know, you can make teams fear because Joe Harris is a good mm-hmm. three point shooter as well. Um, I think that, you know, that works out. And then you move in. It, so it's like two teams get better and, you know, they become championship contenders. So I like that. I don't, You know, a lot of things, mm-hmm. a lot of trades are really one sided nowadays. So I mm-hmm. like when when it works out for both teams. Yeah, yeah makes a lot of sense. All right. <clears throat> Alright, so
1: this is, I know this is not a football podcast, but you know, a lot of people talk about the New England Patriots and how they're usually one year ahead of the issue. They trade away so their stars one year ahead before they age beyond a point in time where their value is going to lessen. And for me, that's Jimmy Butler for the Miami Heat because they're Next two greatest players are younger. You want to try to get a younger piece, and Jimmy Butler is a hell of a player It can help a lot of teams. And I feel like um, the Miami Heat just, you know, they're also stuck with Kyle Lowry's huge-ass contract, so they're just kind of stuck with what they can do going forward. So I'm moving Butler and Victor Oladipo to a place where he's already played, and he's getting traded for Tobias Harrison, Tyrese Maxey, in a future first for the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes. MB, PJ Tucker, Jimmy Butler, James Harden and um Shake Milton which if you guys watched when they won went on that huge run of games, Shake Milton had a great chemistry with James Harden. He really felt like he made that team better. He's a guy that can shoot a 3 and defend really well. And some guys just have that chemistry just like uh in the Boston Celtics when they had uh Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart and uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. They just seemed like they just had great chemistry together. This sometimes happens in the NBA. And James Harden and Shake Milton just seem to have it. So mm-hmm. I feel like having him at the two-guard position, it's not going to be that bad. And uh, Ben's, um, Jimmy Butler gives them the shot creation and the passing and the defending that they really need, and I feel like they become an NBA championship-level team from this. And the Miami Heat are doing Great rebuilding because you got Tyrese at the one, you got Tyler Hero at the two, and you got Bam Adebayo a center, and you got all these shooters. And you know they have guys to believe in, even Nikola Jovic, six foot eleven, who's going to be a four moving forward. They also got Orlando Robinson. He's he's on a two way with the Miami. He he stayed in the league. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, um, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next. Oh, what do you think about that one, Chris? My bad
0: oh no 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 you're fine yeah that's a, that's a good one too that's a good one too like i said just do you man
1: all right all right the next one up uh you gotta realize when you're wrong okay anybody mm-hmm. that's ever been in a relationship with somebody else look we all make mistakes we all get told we're where we're making those mistakes and i'm gonna notice that a timber was made a mistake rudy gobert oh, nice. and cat doesn't work exactly exactly so you got to accept defeat here, but he's got a huge ass contract, and not a lot of people have the ability to trade for him. But the Clippers have a lot of pieces, and uh, yeah, Rudy Gobert and Kawhi and Paul George and all they got defensively. Oh dear goodness, they would be scary with Rudy. So they're trading for Rudy, and they're giving up Zubac, Kennard. Covington, and Terrence Mann. The Minnesota Timberwolves mm-hmm. desperately need a bench guy that can defend. That's Terrence Mann. They also get a guy that can shoot off the bench as Luke Kennard. They're yeah. also are receiving Robert Covington, who is a star for this trade for the Minnesota Timberwolves because 3D wing, they just need those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what they needed. They needed those wings that could defend, and they can build around Cat and Anthony Edwards again and D'Angelo Russell like it was meant to be, okay? And, you know, you, They lost in that last trade.
0: Let it go. Let it go and trade Rudy now. So uh what do you think about that? Yeah, any as long as Gobstopper is moving from team to team, I'm fine. I don't like Gobstopper, so (laughs) as you should, Chris. As you should. Yeah. Gobbert. Say something now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, where's that GPOY guy right now? oh oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh. We were trying to tell you it was just the scheme for like Two years, but nobody wanted to listen to the Basketball Addicts podcast. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Next man up, next trade up, is the Portland Trailblazers. I feel like every year we do this, I'm like, Dame needs help. They got young pieces. Why the heck are they not trading them? I feel like Chauncey Billups, they hit a home run with that guy. He's a great head coach, young head coach. Mm -hmm. I I feel like he does defense well. And um a guy that I think they should trade for is Pascal. Pascal and Toronto needs to blow things up. Scotty Barnes needs to be the four him and Pascal just don't work together. And but Pascal's having a hell of a season, but Toronto Raptors need to blow up Fred Van Fleet and Pascal and build more into the future. So they're getting at Freddie Simmons here, who is like 22 23, 20 points per game scorer, can shoot the hell out of the three point shot and get to the rim. He's a point guard. You know, he's just paired with Dame right now. And um, I really feel like for Toronto, this is a huge trait for them getting this young piece. And uh, the Portland Trail players just look amazing with Pascal because you can tell when a team gets taught how to play de- defense. Or how a team has defensive talent. What I mean by here is the Memphis Grizzlies have defensive talent, but David Roddy doesn't look like he knows how to play defense. John Morant doesn't look like he's forced to play defense. But, you know what I mean? They have defensive talent. Jaron Jackson, they play good team defense. The Poland Trailblazers have no defensive talent except, like, Josh Hart. and But you could tell that everybody on the team is forced to play defense hard and really understands their roles. And I feel like Chauncey's doing a great thing there. And adding Pascal to a team that's already, you know, building that culture of defense is a perfect fit, right? Mm-hmm. Because they are forcing Josh Hart right now to play small forward, even though he's 6'4", because they desperately need that defender. Okay, so now Anthony Simmons is not there. So now he can be the two guard. So now Dame doesn't have to guard the best players, other team's best guard. And then we got Pascal at the four, right? He can guard the best forward, right? Jeremy Grant can chill in the other shooter. This is a perfect fit. I really believe in this formula. This worked for the Warriors, Clay Thompson, Steph. Steph's a great shooter. Clay can always guard. Like, this formula really works. One great defender at each guard or forward position really leads to a lot of greatness for teams. And um, I really feel like... This would make the Portland Trail Blazers a contender in the West because Pascal just gives them so many things that they need, and I'm just so excited by this trade for the Portland Trail Blazers. And uh, so, what do you think about this trade, Chris? Oh yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, me, you know, I'm a, a constant component of like, if it's not working, then you should leave. So I, I was I would, you know, prefer to see Dame leave. But if they can somehow pull something similar to this, which you're proposing off, then mm-hmm. I would be OK with this trade. I would be OK with him staying because then they, he would finally be able to get back into the playoffs again and not just be mm-hmm. surrounded by a bunch of role players. You know, like Anthony Simons, he has a lot of potential. Um, yes. You know, he's growing into the into a play, into a caliber player where he can be a two. But I think that Dame is in a win now type of situation, so mm-hmm. he doesn't. I mean, patience isn't. I mean, time's not really on his side, and you know, True. I feel like he does, he does, he's been patient long enough with the Toronto Raptors organization that they he has to force them to make a move like this.
1: Yeah, I feel like it really hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> Alrighty, the next one. Oh baby, people are like, what? This guy's getting traded? All right, so let's say yeah. worries. How do we fix it? Well, we talked about on previous podcasts about the issue of – them trying to force the system on the players that aren't ready to fit in the system. The guys that aren't ready to mm-hmm. fit in the system are Jonathan Kaminga, Jordan Poole's not a perfect fit. Dante Civicenzo's not a perfect fit. They really need a guard that can defend, but Dante DiVincenzo and Jordan Poole are their guard, guards coming off the bench, and they really need a backup center that they can you know, force into the system because James Wiseman's, you know, got so much more skilled in what fits into the system. So I feel like they're in win-now mode... If you want to get the pieces that can fit this system, then you're gonna to have to trade Jordan Poole and James White and make it happen. All right. Mm-hmm. So to do that, to get to get the pieces back that fit the system and be worth trading Jordan Poole Orlando Magic are gonna pull some cards out here that are pretty impressive. Franz Wagner, when he was coming out of the draft, I was like, dear goodness, if the Golden State Warriors get Franz fucking Wagner, then I'm going to lose my mind because he's such a beautiful fit because he's six nine. He's running the pick and roll in Michigan. Like, as the ball handler, making passes Mm -hmm. and making great decisions. Like, he's a beautiful fit on an offense that's based on passing and movement. And he's already averaging. Like, nobody's talking about him. He's averaging, like, 17, 38 three-point percentage and, like, 44 field goal percentage. Like, he's really having a hell of a season. And they really miss that Andre Iguodala that could make those passes for when Draymond Green's off the bench. They really miss a guy that can make those passes when Draymond Green's off the bench. This is a huge hole for the Golden State Warriors because they run an off ball movement system. So okay. I really feel like he'd fit so beautifully on this team off the bench. He'd become their sixth man. He'd be so versatile. I really feel like he fits just like a glove onto the system. It's it's just beautiful. Um and they get more pieces than this too. They're gonna get um what's his name? Jalen Suggs, Jalen Suggs, because last year they had Gary Payton the guard be the backup guard that could guard. Like Jalen Suggs is a really great defender, best defender of Orlando Magic. He's really good. Like he can really guard that guard position. He's six four. He can guard twos or points. You know, he's good enough three point shooter. He's also. A basketball IQ guy, like he's not able to shot create for himself. That's his weakness. But he's got a nice basketball IQ, so he could fit into that system. That's you know mm-hmm. high basketball IQ offense. So I feel like that makes a ton of sense too. Pair with Dante Tiwachengel makes a lot of sense. And then you know the last guy is Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba can be that rotational center. I mean, he's more talented than uh Kevin Looney, but they probably love Kevin Looney because he's like does all the little things, but. Yeah. Mo Bamba's can be that rotational center that can shot block in the rim. He's proven that he can do that, and he's proven that he can shoot the three point shot. Shoots like thirty five percent for the three point line, so it'll give them, you know, some shooting. He fits onto the team, and I feel like, um, you know, he has no skill beyond that, unlike James Wiseman, but you know. The Warriors want guys that are stars at, like, roles, you know what I mean, coming off their bench. So, I really feel like that is Mo Bamba. And the Orlando Magic still have Wendell Carter, Bull Bol. Like, they have so many centers that they just can't figure out what to do right now. And, you know, they have Paulo at the power forward and Franz at the, you know, small forward. So, they're, like, kind of stuck on having three guys that have to play center. So trading away one of these guys makes sense here. So uh, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think about that trade, Chris?
0: Wow. Wow. Okay, so you even brought the Golden State Warriors in here. I I think that this kind of trade allows, you know, Orlando to stay young like they want to because they want to build around, you know, a nice young core and it gives James Wiseman the opportunity to really start, you know, showing what he can do because like we were saying before, I think it was the last episode. No, the episode before the last we were talking about this. We're saying like James Wiseman is going to, is gonna you know, if he doesn't leave or get traded from the Golden State Warriors or get started getting any minutes, he's going to become a bust. But it's not his own. It's not his fault, though. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just the way that the organization and the system is set up. So I think putting him in a position where he can really start showing his skills and really start developing, you know, instead of just throwing him back and down into the G League. We never see James Wiseman play on the NBA court against NBA talent. I think this mm-hmm. is a good space for him. And I think Jordan Poole is ready to win at that point. That Orlando Magic team can really grow and become a team that's ready to win, and this also makes the Golden State better because it, it allows you to not only stretch the floor with Draymond, but now you can stretch the floor with Mobama. Now you have people who can fit into mm. the system who are star role players, or it can become mm-hmm. star role players who can fit around Curry and Clay for years to come because they're still mm-hmm. young, and then you can start trying to maybe build around. You know, build into getting some, you know, some younger guards so that, you know, when they do start slowing down a little bit, now you can prepare for the future. I always thought that the Golden State Warriors were as a team that prepared for the future until I seen them recently and I noticed they mm. do not. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: think, um, you know, Steve Kerr's for the first time in my life um, gives me a lot of question marks as a coach. and He's just not developing the system to the talent. And if he's going to be so yeah. strict on that. Then, you know, but the real reality here is Clay Thompson looks fucking amazing, so he's ready to be old Clay, and they just need the bench to figure it out. So um, <clears throat> this fixes it. <clears throat> yeah. All right, we're gonna go ahead and transition to the next one here. Next man up. Okay, this is a big one here. This is a big one because a team improves in a way that I'm surprised by. So Steven Adams gets paid a lot of money. So if you trade Steven Adams and a young piece to, to a team that wants to blow things up a little bit, you can get a big improvement in the center position for the Memphis Grizzlies, which, you know, makes them a better team and they're a contender. So I'm trading Zayar Williams small forward. He was a lottery pick. You know, he's a raw guy, kind of like Cam Reddish, where they're raw guys. They need the minutes, and Memphis doesn't really give him a lot of minutes because he's raw. So, uh, I feel like him and Steven Adams getting traded for Nikola Vucevic makes a ton of sense for, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies, because Nikola Vucevic can solve one of the problems, which is three-point shooting. They rely a ton on David Roddy to shoot the three. Having another guy that can shoot the three is really great for them. He could do all the little things like setting screens. He's built similarly to Steven Adams, and, you know, they both suck at defense, so there's not, like, a huge drop-off here. And I really feel like this makes a lot of sense for them. The Bulls can take on the Steven Adams contract, and they can get Sire Williams to be, you know, the young developing small forward for a team that should blow things up here. The Bulls should blow up DeMar and Vucevic and build around Lonzo and... Zach Levine. Zach Levine's looking better after his injury right now, athletically. So I really feel like this works for both teams. So, what do you think, Chris?
0: My only problem with this one just has to be the Lonzo thing, right? Because you said, like, Lonzo, Zach Levine, and they look better together, but we don't know when Lonzo's coming back. So, mm-hmm. like, with that being said, you put a lot of the. Um, weight of the team back on Zach Levine, and we saw that that didn't quite work before, you know, and then it, like, kind of, like, he he was starting to become, he he was, he just, what, he just left Minnesota, went to Chicago, Mm. and I don't think they had anybody over there. I think it was just basically just him. Yeah, And, you know, like, you kind of put him back into that position. And you want to, and when you make trades, especially, like, the other ones you've made, or at least, you know, you want to get better in some sense. So, I, I feel like the only problem I true have with that is, like, you know, Lonzo's— we don't know when Lonzo's coming back. But I can see and I have heard the whispers— I mean, not heard the whispers, but I've, like, you know, listened to the different, you know, talking heads and things like that. There's whispers around the league that Zach Levine wants to leave. He wants to leave. He wants to go play for L.A. So I think that if they start moving DeMar, if they move DeMar and move Vucevic, then there's no reason— there's really no reason for for Levine to stay because he doesn't want to be in that situation again where they're rebuilding and they're trying to put pieces around him, but they don't have the pieces.
1: Mm. Yeah, I feel like that's a good point. Um, I do think with the other trade that I have here for Damar, I think it makes a little more sense. But uh, okay, yeah, I feel like that's a good point though. And Lonzo Ball, it's, it's it's sad, but like you know, he might not play another year. But I feel like. What we saw with those two together—that even those two together would be an improvement of what it was with just Zach
0: Levine. So, I feel like—yeah, did you go ahead? Did you hear what, what what was being said like about his injury? Yeah, like Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
1: They don't know what's going on. They don't know why he's hurt. Yeah, like nobody
0: knows why he will why, why he? Why he's not getting better? Mm-hmm. Nobody knows why. Like the team doctors, his doctors, nobody knows why he's not getting better yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. I will say though, point guards are a dime a dozen. Like, yeah. there's so many point guards that could become available. So, you know, I, I, you know, I do think that they still need to trade Demar for pieces because I don't think Demar fits that well with Sack. I just don't think okay. they fit well together. So that's kind of the core of the issue, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, I feel like it's a good point, though. Yeah. All You ready to move on to the next trade, which is uh, DeMar DeRozan? Yeah, let's go. All right. The next one, the next one we have uh, Christian Wood getting traded, Reggie Bullock getting traded, two first getting traded for DeMar DeRozan. So, mm-hmm. you know, Dallas Mavericks, Hello, Luca, man. We get Damar. Hey, Damar, Luca? Huh. Thank you. Uh, they really need that wing score. A lot of people are like, oh, uh, another great player with Luca makes no sense because he's such a volume player. The reason why he has the ball in his hands all the fucking time is because nobody else is good with their balls in the hands, other than Spencer Dinwiddie, right? Like nobody's Luca. Yeah. They don't have wing guys, right? But then you need those guys to win championships, which should be the goal here for Dallas. So. They really need wings. Demarz a wing, and uh, I really feel like it makes them so much better. Twenty six point per game score. Christian Woods averaging like twenty and ten right now. You know, playing with freedom, and you know him, Alonzo Ball, um, Zaire Williams, yeah, and Patrick Williams, and Zach Levine. So you basically have Alonzo Ball point, Zach Levine at a two zyra williamson at the three patrick Williams at the four and christian wood at the five those are five young guys that can grow well well together and i really feel like they makes a lot of sense here so the bulls are developing team not really building but developing and um
0: yeah i feel like this works for both teams so what do you think chris Mm. i i I like the i like the demar to dallas part of this um Mm -hmm. and i will say this because like you know I think we've said this before. and I think he might have pointed it out to me. Was that Jason Kidd for some reason has gotten like these has gotten the guys there to really truly play defense more so mm-hmm. Luca, and Demar mm-hmm. is a decent defender. And then they also score at different levels. Demar um, is more a two level scorer. Luca can score pretty much from anywhere. So I think it works <sighs> a lot better because they don't really they don't really run into each other and get into each other's way. Mm-hmm. So. I think that, that that's a perfect fit for that type of offense. I think that they could work um, and actually maybe possibly down the road get another piece and win something. Um, now, with the Chicago Bulls, like I said before, is you get the Christian Wood. I get that, you know, he's like a 20 point per game score. You get Zach Levine. Zach Levine is really, you know, starting to hit his stride again. Um, but I don't know if that really entices him that much. I just feel like to be. To be from, to go from, you got, like, we have to look at it like this, right? And I'm not trying to be winded, but I just want to get this point real quick. It's just that mm-hmm. um you trade DeMar, right? You don't have Lonzo. We don't know when Lonzo's coming back, right? Zach Levine, you know, during that time period, you know, as they move in pieces, becomes the guy. Then he, they add Christian Wood. And I just feel like he's, like, when they had all three of them and Caruso and everything, when they their first year, we was talking about them in a different light. Now he goes back into development. And just to jump back, I mean, I don't know how much, um um what's the word for it, how good he feels about the organization and maybe the team to stick around for their development period. I think he might still want to leave. And I think that might still put the Bulls in a bad situation. I mean, yeah, you have a lot of young talent going for it, but I think that the Levine thing is like, I went from being at the bottom of the barrel to being a playoff contender, and now I don't know when my star point guard is coming back, and they are going to put me back in the development position. You know what I mean? That's a lot of switching back and forth, and I know that basketball is very fickle. like It switches like that, but mm-hmm. for a player like that, you don't know how... I got the word. I don't know how much loyalty and much patience he has with the Bulls organization considering that they truly value DeMar over him.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like you know even after they got demar there's like reports of like him not loving the fact that demar is there and he's like the main guy in the offense so like yeah it feels like a lot of I feel like Zach Levine's the type of guy that always hate always like wants to voices his, his opinion. Which is fine. He's Dude. a younger guy, right? In the league, wants to prove yeah. himself. And maybe it's inevitable in three years that he leaves the Bulls. Maybe it's just like no matter what happens, I'm gonna go join a super team somewhere, which is fine. Some people wouldn't be that. And um you know, I I agree with. You. I feel like you bring good points, and I really wish that we could like actually sit down, Zach Levine, to talk to him to like get a feel yeah. for like, what he is a human being, so that like can maybe get a more accurate read and maybe not do some of these trades. But uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, you know, I feel like you know they get developed more develop more pieces for the development. But if he doesn't want that, then we'll try to do something different. for him, But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like this is a good point, though. I feel like it's a good point of uh, Zach Levine being tough to deal with.
0: Yeah. It's like you don't know how you could truly make him happy because you don't know. I I don't know how much, like, honestly, I don't know how much loyalty and how much patience he has with the organization for them to go through another Mm -hmm. development period. He's already been Mm -hmm. there for years. It's not his first year in Chicago. It's not even his second year in Chicago. You get what I'm saying? True. So it's like he's already been in that point where he's like, we're rebuilding. Be patient with us, Zach. I get the pieces. Then they're like, we're going to go back into development. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I trust you guys anymore. That's a trust factor that players will have. Like players, When players stop trusting the organization, then they more likely will start to leave because they don't believe that they can bring the type of caliber team that they need to win. Every player mm-hmm. wants to win. If they if they believe that the organization can't bring that type of team or create that kind of team, then they will leave. And mm-hmm. I see like Zach Levine might be that kind of player where he's like, I don't trust you right now because you haven't been able to develop and to put a team around me or a team or, or build a team that I believe that can win something. You did it one time, and then we now we're back in development again, and I don't really like that. Dude. How long is this going to take? Yeah, I mean he, I mean he would he also realized that like
1: when he was traded there, they sucked. Right? Like, yeah. uh, I would still stay, say that when he f- was t- before DeMar Doros in trade, before DeMar Doros free agent signing, and even after, if they do these trades, this team's still better than it was pre DeMar and Vuz because DeMar Vuz yeah. can bring young pieces that they didn't wouldn't be able to acquire without DeMar Vuz. So I still feel yeah. like it's an improvement. Um, But, you know, it's Zach Levine, so we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. All You ready to kick it to the next topic? Those are good. Those are are good. Those are good right there. All right. Yeah. The next one is – all right. I'm going to save me blowing up about Trey Young missing the All-Star game later. But, you know, I feel like what we're learning about the Atlanta Hawks is – Right, I remember reading Larry Bird's book, and he talked about when he was uh, coaching for the Indiana Pacers, and he believed that after three years, a coach loses the ears of his players. And like Mm -hmm. even during that time frame for the Pacers, like he led them to an NBA championship, like appearance against the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Right, he was that coach. And he left after three years. Still, like he had a lot of success during that time frame, but he still left. And I feel like that's just what's happening with Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan, when he was first made that head coach a few years ago, right? They make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They completely turn around their team. Like this is when we first started doing the podcast. And I was like, dear God, the Atlanta Hawks look really great all of a sudden, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, my favorite team X Y Z. And I feel like Nate McMillan just kind of has lost the ear of the the locker room. So they like already need to blow up things, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like they also need to blow up the Trey Young and DeJounte Murray combination because I feel like we're learning that a volume scoring point guard like Trey Young, like a Dame, like a Steph cannot have the second best player in the team being a all-star level point guard. It just doesn't work, right? Cause they're mm-hmm. scoring at such a high volume that now they have to like move their game out of the way so that the other point guard that's an all-star, the second best player in the team that needs to get his stats and you know get his numbers to produce and win for them to be a team. Leads to Mm. a lot of inefficiencies. And I feel like Mm. that leads into the low field goal percentage for Trey Young shooting 42% from the field and shooting 32% from three. Like, that's a very big drop-off. And I feel like it's because of DeJounte. And it's not because DeJounte Murray is a bad player. They just need a different kind of guy here um, at the at the guard position. That's not a point guard. Not a point guard. Um, so I feel like they need to blow things up a little bit here with DeJounte Murray and Trey. And uh, they probably just want to get a new identity and move on from Nate Millen. So I am trading DeJounte Murray and John Collins for Benedict Matherin and Miles Turner because... Benedict Matherin, if Paulo Bancaro was not Paulo Bacanthor, we'd be losing our mind about the man in Indiana Pacers uniform that's dropped a 19 a game as a rookie, okay? He's 6'6". I think he was my fourth or fifth best prospect coming out of the draft. I saw how good he was gonna be. I didn't see this, but I saw his potential, and um, he's a hell of a three-point shooter. Can get to the rim and finish. He's much better right now than I thought he would be and you know my high end for him coming out of the draft was like, man, if he like everything hit for him, he could be Jalen Brown ish. Right, and he's showing any any two guard that's six six, that's average nineteen a game. i me saying I think he might be a little Jalen Brownish. Is not that crazy, okay? Like yeah. that's phenomenal, and you know he's not also doing that inefficient way because his game is I'm athletic, I'm big bodied, I can shoot the three. Right, he's strong and he gets to the rim, and it's like, uh, yeah, that's Jalen Brown type of guy. So. Uh, yeah. He's elite at what he's a lead at, and having him with Trey Young makes so much more sense because Trey Young can be the ball handler. He can buy them, making all the decisions, and then we can have this guy next to him. And, you know, we can. John Collins also hasn't developed at all, right? They're young guys that we're like, oh, a few years ago, this team's going to be developed. Wow. DeAndre Hunter's going to be so great. No, he's the same guy as he was two years ago. John Collins has got to be so great. No. He's still the same guy as he used to actually I think he's a worse player because he doesn't defend now. Um yeah. you know what I mean? Like Cam Reddish, we're like, oh, I'm so excited about Cam. Like Cam's not there anymore. You know what I mean? So they lost all their young pieces, and I feel like this guy, beautiful fit with him. And uh I really feel like Click Capello's kind of lost a step. So Miles Turner's a great fit here. they the Indian Pacers have Jalen Smith, who I've been talking about a lot on this podcast. Like, if they ever move Miles Turner, that Jalen Smith guy does basically what Miles Turner does. He's just not as developed right now. But he can shoot a three, 6'11", hyper-athlete, defend the rim like he's a perfect center for that team and um he's so great that he gets power forward in minutes when he's a center like that's how good he is at the game of basketball so um yeah. i feel like it makes a lot of sense for the pacers um you know it makes a lot of sense for atlanta because miles turning to shoot the three defend the rim right he just fits a lot of the fills a lot of their weaknesses a the team and you get to rebuild with benedict matherin and Oh and DeAndre Hunter. Like, that's a solid, like Bonovich 6'7, Matherin 6'6, Hunter 6'7. Like, that's a decent wing length that they could have as a team. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they can really figure something out moving forward. So that's what I'm thinking. Oh, and DeJounte Murray and Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, you're like, oh, DeJounte Murray is a point guard. I mean, and so is Tyrese Halliburton. Well, Tyrese Halliburton's an efficient 21. He's not like a 28 and 10 guy, right? So those two fit well together because DeJounte Murray's defender, DeJounte Murray can get to the rim, Tyler is an efficient three point shooter and they both make good passes. So I feel like those two fit well together. Better than uh Trey and DeJounte. So
0: that's what I'm thinking.
1: So what are you thinking, Chris?
0: Okay. <clears throat> so I'm gonna start with Atlanta, right? Because I think that I've been like pretty hard on Atlanta for a mm-hmm. while, right? I've been saying like, you know, their big problem is that they can't defend a center. If they have to, they keep throwing little ass Clint Capella Mm -hmm. on the center and he gets baby fooded, (laughs) you know, he gets spoon fed at that point. So I like the miles Turner because I I know what he brings to the table. I know he's taller. He, he defends a lot better. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He is a great shot blocker. He can also space the floor. That's perfect for that team because now they can run small ball, but this guy can also knock down a three. So it's fine. It's Mm -hmm. fine. It works. Now we have, Mm -hmm. we have went over, We have bypassed the Clint Capella um, experiment, and Mm. now we have gotten better. I'm Mm. fine with that. You know, I I don't really have too many other um, qualms about that team besides, like, I just think that their center position was all wrong for the East, especially if they're trying to build to beat Giannis. I don't think that works because we've seen what happens when... When they don't, when they, when, when, when they play Giannis and they played Giannis in the finals a couple years ago, I mean, not in the finals in the Eastern Conference finals a couple years ago mm-hmm. and they got, and they were destroyed because they just were not tall enough. They're too small. And I think that this adds a, a little bit of length and acts a little bit more, you know, defensive capabilities, even though it's hard to defend Giannis as it is. But it adds a little bit more defensive capabilities to de- to compete in the East, especially when you have to compete against Giannis, not just Giannis, but Joel Embiid and mm-hmm. other centers. You know, Mobile eventually is going to come into his own. So eventually you'll have to compete against these type of, these guys as well. Kristaps Porzingis, you know, I mean, they're not centers of power force, but still, you'll eventually have to go into, you have to compete against these taller and mm-hmm. longer guys who gets space to floor and Clint Capella can't, you know, he can't do that. So I feel mm-hmm. like if that was to happen, then I feel like that would work a lot better because you don't, you don't have, to, it doesn't matter if you pull the center away because the defend the center could still defend and knock down the shot if he's on the, if he's on the offensive end. So I like this, um, the Tyrese Halliburton thing, um, as long as there is a level of system passing, you know what I mean? I think that DeJounte Murray brings that to Indy to Indiana. I think that that works. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, um, you know, they, they have the pieces. I think that the, the Indiana Pacers that, you know, I, is he? Is he? I think it's. Um. I think Tyrese Halliburton is. He, he he's a really. He's really good at being a volume scorter, scorer. Score and you know he's really developing over there. Um. And I think just you know adding that passing aspect and somebody who can really distribute the ball and create for others makes it a little bit easier on that team. Um. Because they have they have shooters they have a lot of shooters over there. Um. Mm-hmm. Only problem is that the Indiana Pacers kind of suck now a little bit. Well, no, actually not because they have Jalen Smith. You're right. Never mind. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, and they also desperately need that power forward position. So, you know, John Collins makes a lot of sense there. And they have Chris Duarte, right? So they have, like, two 6'6 guys. It's kind of like Benedict Mathur and Chris Duarte. Okay, like, how are they going to work together? It's an interesting question. And, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, even we saw Tyrese Halliburton with De'Aaron Fox, right? Be a two-guard, be efficient, right? Like, he has skill that De'Ajante Murray doesn't have, and I feel like... They're both also six five, so they're you get a decent amount of length there too. So I feel like it makes a lot of sense for them as a team. Both teams improve, um, and Atlanta gets that young piece that can really has the potential to be that number two for um, for Trey, and that's 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 a yeah. that's a knocking it out of the park. And you got to trade an all star to mm-hmm. get that. That's Dejounte. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Ready? You ready to move on to the next one? Let's go. All right, there is trouble in paradise. And by paradise, I mean the number one seed in the West last year, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, we all know what the issue is, right? We're all well informed. DeAndre Ayton is a guy that just doesn't want to be there, right? Yeah, a lot of locker room issues. They got to move on from DeAndre Ayton. They still got Jay Crowder, who's not playing basketball uh, because he wants to be traded, and he hasn't been traded this whole time, so he needs to be moved to. So. They, they really could get better as a team here, and I feel like they need to win now. Chris Paul and Devin Booker's can still be good winners in the NBA, and I feel like they can still pull this off. So we're trading DeAndre and Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder for Julius Randle. Mitchell Robinson and Cam Reddish. All right, let's talk about Mr. Underappreciated Julius Randle. Uh, yeah, he's very underappreciated by the New York Knicks fans, New York Knicks media, just New York Knicks in general. Um, But I really feel like this is still enough for him. Oh, and also the first for Julius Randle too. So are giving up the first round draft pick. Um, but DeAndre Ayton makes a ton of sense for the way they build as a team. They Tom Thibodeau is an older school kind of head coach. That post scorer that can be really good at scoring out of the post makes a lot of sense with Jalen Brunson. Right. They just fit well together. I feel like that's a really good fit for them as a team. Cam Johnson's a hell of a three point shooter, right? He's a wing. And uh, you know, also you get Jay Crowder, which they really need that defender at the wing position as well. So they can run out Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, you know, uh, what's his face? Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, DeAndre Ayton, and still have a really good team. And yeah. um I feel like Jalen Julius Randle's kind of a tough fit to Jalen Brunson, and they just seem like, you know, Julius Randle's a great player, but I feel like they just for some reason don't like what Julius Randle does, which is fine because, you know, the Suns can get him. And uh, and also, they they somehow got – roped into Evan Fournier's $18 million looking ass from the Boston Celtics. I don't know how they still pulled that off. So like they have a guy who they're paying a lot of money to, but he's not good enough to be a starting wing on an NBA playoff team, right? So having him be the rotational guy for Jay Carter, having him be the rotational guy for Cam Johnson, having Obi Toppin be the backup power forward makes a lot of sense here. So... Um, I really feel like this makes them better as a team. They have all these guards. So, you know, I just feel like this makes a lot of sense. And um, on top of that is the Phoenix Suns get a lot better here because, I mean, Mitchell Robinson can catch those lobs from CP3. Mitchell Robinson can guard that rim. Mitchell Robinson can rebound. And we're getting Julius Randle here who is Can be that secondary scorer that Devin Booker so desperately needs. And the Suns walk away from this trade keeping their best wing, which is Mikhail Bridges, right? They walk away keeping Mikhail. And they still get Cam Reddish, who can be a guy off the bench to shot crates. So the Dijons just shoot the three. And they already have a guy that can be the backup to Julius Randle, which is Dario Saric right? Who's going to be a really solid backup power forward. So if you're building around Julius Randle, it makes a lot of sense. I feel like they really need Julius Randle scoring. They still got Bismack Biyombo behind Mitchell Robinson. I feel like this team just makes a lot of sense with Julius Randle. This makes them a lot better. I think look, they could still, both of these teams improve, right? You know, the weakness mm-hmm. of the Knicks is wing defenders and wing guys. And the weakness of the Suns is they don't have that secondary guy behind Devin Booker that can really fill up the point, the stat sheet. And that's Julius Randle here. So what
0: do you think about that? Hmm. Okay, that's, 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 that's kind of interesting. Um, I think that as long as you can get the... I hate to say this. As long as you can get DeAndre Aiden out of the locker room because he's kind of a toxic cloud yeah. there, mm-hmm. I think that the Suns automatically get better. Because, um, you know, you have a player who just doesn't want to be there. He's like, you know, the coach don't talk to me. And <laughs> he, he just... he It's clearly on his face. You know what I mean? And in his play, yeah. that he just doesn't want to be there. So I feel like he's just kind of just waiting it out. And I feel like if he can be traded to you know, to be moved and to go to an organization where I feel like maybe you know, a lot of players just like have to reinvent themselves. You right. know what I mean? They've been someplace for a while and, you know, they kind of get stuck into a you know a mode. And I feel like feel like, you know, New York could be a fresh start for him and he could become a better player. Um yeah. so as long as like I say, as long as I, I worry about key players a lot. So as long as that key player is traded from the Suns, and I'm, I'm fine with this trade. This is a good trade to me.
1: Yeah, and sec- that
0: moves DeAndre Aiden out of that locker room.
1: Yeah, and secondly, I don't want anybody, any, any inkling, anything, of them thinking, oh, well, you know, for. DeAndre to be happy this year. We're just gonna have to move on from Monty Williams. If you trade Monty Williams, if you move, if you cut Monty Williams, I'm gonna literally throw five chairs on the podcast. You will see it live. Okay, <laughs> that guy's a top five coach in the NBA. He should be there for the next decade at least. Okay, he's doing things for that team that's perfectly built. He makes some play defense. He gets the most out of that bench. Like, he's a phenomenal world-class coach. Like, they hit a home run with him. Okay, Mm -hmm. and if they get some stupid-ass idea because they got a lot of things moving on around the front office of of, uh, firing Monty Williams because of DeAndre Ayton's emotional stability, I'm literally going to lose my shit. So, you know, Monty Williams is more valuable to that team then deandre i'm just gonna say it like monty williams is just like so gifted like he can be the best coach in the nba in five years like he really can be like he's already top five like he's special and that type of thing doesn't come around very often when we have to think long term here is chris paul's gonna age right you want him with Devin booker right you what you want that great head coach with still having Devin booker there like that's Mm -hmm. a great resource to say hey we we get to figure it out again after Chris Paul. Well, we still got Monty here. He's like, oh, God damn, we still got Monty. But if you fire Monty and do pull some stupid shit, you're going to lose Devin Booker in two years too. So, like, yeah, uh, <laughs> let's be honest about this here. Don't do anything with Monty. I don't want to see any. I've seen bad reports of oh, Monty Williams in the front office, tension, blah, 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 blah. Monty Williams is a godsend to that team, okay? So don't move Monty, okay? If I... I'm, I'm telling you, chairs will be moved, okay, on on, on this podcast of Monty leaves,
0: I feel like that's, like, a number one thing that a lot of front offices go to. They're like, oh, yes. my player isn't happy. It must be the coach. I feel yes. like before yes. we fire coaches, let's just say this right now. Listen, look me in my eyes. Before we fire coaches in the National Basketball Association, Let's move players. Thank you.
1: <laughs> it's it's not Monty. It's not Monty. It's not Monty. All right. Monty's just trying to hold DeAndre accountable, right? He's being a good coach. Yeah. That's all it is. All right. You ready to kick us to the next team now that we got that off the Monty protection team? Yeah. All right. <laughs> the next team here. <laughs> oh, baby. This is oh dear goodness. making a super team here. Uh, this one fred van fleet needs to be traded but if you look at teams and you look at fred van fleet's trademark you're like okay well the top six teams in every conference have point guards that are ready to win championships right and it's like other than one one team doesn't have that and it's like okay well why where would, where could fred go so fred van fleet's trademark is not as good as you would think it would be but they really need to move on from him so the Milwaukee bucks yeah Waukee Bucks are trading Marion Bouchamp, who's a two-guard. This guy, high upside, really can fly. Is a little bit better than I thought he'd be coming out of the draft. He's doing really well for them. He's a two-guard. He's six six. makes a lot of sense for them as their young two-guard moving forward. And they get the pieces of Grayson Allen, Jordan Nwara, who's like a nice bench shot creator for himself that's a younger guy, Pat Connington, sorry, George Hill, and two first-round draft picks. Yeah, for Fred Van Fleet and Juan Herman Gomez. And yes, that does mean the Milwaukee Bucks will be starting Fred Van Fleet. Because Fred Van Fleet's making 21 million fucking dollars a year, okay? So, uh, um, yeah, this could happen. all All these salaries work out perfectly. Fred Van Fleet, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis. Brooke Lopez, and coming off the bench, we got Bobby Portis and Javon Carter being the backup for Fred Van Fleet. We got Joe Ingles still, you know, got Wesley Matthews and another guard that I can't think of off the top of my head. And, like, dude, dude, this team with Fred Van Fleet, dear God. Oh, that would be so good because Drew could guard the best guard.
0: and I, All right, what do you think, Chris? So Toronto is not trying to win anymore based off the two trades you made they're yes. not really trying to win they're in a more of a rebuilding thing stage okay that's fine i'm fine with that i'm fine with that i'm fine with that they 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 see Scotty Barnes as their way forward and they try to build mm-hmm. i'm i'm okay with that now for the Milwaukee Bucks though <laughs> one thing i will say is that if any inkling of this trade goes down which i highly doubt because a lot of those uh a lot of those big wig uh basketball Heads, I guess, in the front office don't really think like you do, Jay. Mm-hmm. And um, if this trade goes down, then I would I would call the championship one already. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I would just say the Milwaukee Bucks won, and I would bet my entire life on that. Um, and I would just take everything and sell it and just bet all and put all of that money toward the Milwaukee Bucks winning the the championship. There's and it's sweeping all the way through. Um. Oh my god. It would be terrible. Um <laughs> for the East. Yes. But I, that's that's I don't know. I don't know. I don't know is god, I don't know if that'd go down, but if it does, I mean that's a great trade. I think <laughs> I would put I w- I would Bro. I would bet everything on them winning the East if that if that went down. Talk Friends- about a death lineup. I would put everything on that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, Fred Van Fleet's $21 million a year really is like, wow. We wouldn't have to trade much for that. Like, that's a tiny ass contract for Fred Van Fleet. And... He'd be robbed Rob by Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. Um, yeah. Wow. I would be, uh, they, uh, oof, oof, wow. I just can't say anything other than, wow. I, I made this trade. Yeah. I thought about it. I was like, holy shit, this works. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, uh, you ready to move on to the next one? Yeah. All right, this is the only role player for role player trade that we have in this list. But uh, the Sacramento Kings, they have a guy named Davion Mitchell who's a backup point guard for them. Doesn't get much minutes. Um, they don't really like like the way he plays with the way they're winning games right now. So his value is never going to be higher than now because pe- every year from this, people are going to think bust, 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 and more, more, and more, and more. So Davion Mitchell still has that intrigue. Oh, he has a top five pick. Right. Still has that intrigue. So um, I think trading Davion Mitchell, Rashawn Holmes was their backup center to the San Antonio Spurs for K to beat Bates D up and Yaka Pertl makes a ton of sense for the Kings because Yaka Pertle can run. It's so integral for the Kings winning basketball is Demontis Simonis passing of the center position and having a center that can run that type of stuff while the of the bonuses on the bench is a huge boost to the way they play basketball. Um, mm-hmm. he's a perfect fit there. And at the wing position, they like Harrison Barnes and Keegan Murray. is a nice three and D wing. He's not going to bring anything else more than that, but you know, having another wing that can defend and shoot a three would make this team better. And Keita BB Bates D up can do that, right? He's six, He's like defender. Every guy for the San Antonio Spurs is a good real player. Like that's just the way that it is there. Yeah, and the San Antonio Spurs get Davion Mitchell. He's a better point guard than Trey Jones. He'll start for them. They'll be like, "Oh my gosh, this guy can defend. We we'll love him, right?" And Rashawn Holmes can be a, a nice rotational center for them. Like he's nothing special. He's just a lob, thread, defense, shot block, six, eleven, athletic. Like this, he just does what he does. So I really feel like this. Both the teams improve after this trade, and um, I feel like this makes Sacramento even better. What do you think, Chris? Hmm.
0: Um, I think the Deon Mitchell trade to Spurs works really well because I feel like they they're really big on, like, you know, finding, like, these diamond in the rough good role players that can, they can make into stars, and I think mm-hmm. that that's a possibility with Davion Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have too much else over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and moving some defenders to get a little bit better, I mean, I don't mind that at all, because Sacramento mm-hmm. gets better, and the way Mike Brown coaches and has been leading that team, you know, from the coaching side of things, um, <sighs> he's going to maximize the potential of every player that he gets, mm-hmm. and they're just going to become better. Um, So, and they're young, too, so the whole team is pretty young. So I feel like they have a they have high ceiling if mm. they, you know, with that, with those additions. So mm. I'm, I'm cool with that. That's a good trade. Alrighty. Well,
1: um, you know, this is the, uh, end of these trades today ever again, all of these salaries worked out perfectly. Did all the math, checked it twice. Got to find out if you're not, you're nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Santa Jason trade, trade machine is coming to town. Um, and, uh, yeah, all of these are big trades. All of these trades make these teams better. And, uh, you know, I this is this is the type of things that can happen at the deadline. And the Kyrie stuff is really legitimate, like really legitimate size. I feel like Damar is pretty well known he's going to trade it too. So this is, you know, the Milwaukee, the Fred Van Fleet thing, though. If that happens, oh, my gosh. Whew, that's going to be a great team. I can't wait for that. I, uh, I have nothing else, Chris. Other than, hey, thank you uh, guys for, you know, checking out our website, checking our YouTube shorts. Our YouTube shorts have been doing really well lately. Um, we really appreciate the viewership. We really appreciate everything that you guys are doing, growing the podcast and stuff like that. You know, hitting this subscribe and uh, listening to our podcast and reviewing really helps us in the algorithm, really helps us grow and have more people. Right. Because maybe you want to talk to more basketball addicts, you know, cause help us you know, tell a friend and uh, really helps us grow. And uh, do you have anything else, Chris?
0: No, 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 I don't. All righty, sounds good. All well, that is the end of this episode. We'll be right back with another one. We're gonna, you know, you're like, wait a second, guys. You guys have been talking about the All Star. <laughs> Just wait on it, it's coming soon. <laughs> yes. And um, so, yeah, Chris Muhammad. I'm Jason Collins. And we are the Basketball Addicts Base.